I'm Carly Shields, and I play Lola, the Harpy Wizard. I'm John, and I play Mort McCoy, the Skeletal Ranger. Hey, everybody. It's Patrick, and I play Ezra the Golem. This is Ray, and I play Cammy the Kitsune. Hey, I'm Adam Bash. I'm the Storyteller, and welcome to Brute Force. Fine, patrons. Welcome to the Gilded Ram Grog House. And what are there six of you out there? <sighs> and I knew this would be a, a delicate situation tonight. Um, I, 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 of course, I, I saw the picket lines outside, and um, you know they would have you believe that this was a grassroots movement rising up uh, out of uh, prolonged disagreement with my performance style. Or this is none of that. Okay, this is an armed attack. Um, but by people that were hired, financed entirely by a big cucumber, basically. I don't know if you all have looked into this at all, okay? But I get on stage last time, and I said maybe one or two not 100% on board things about cucumbers. Specifically, I may have mentioned the fact that putting him into a pie is the most disgusting thing imaginable in this world. I didn't put it in those words, but I felt it in my heart, but I held back because I'm a professional. No, but they're, now they're outside and they're picketing, okay? Oh yeah, real grassroots movement you've got out there. You've got 17 people in cucumber costumes. You just had those? You just had those sitting around? Oh no, you probably had them provided by Big Cucumber itself, okay? And so there's people out there in cucumber costumes brandishing pickaxes, which is a weird choice in and of itself. If I'm really going to critique your picket style, why a pickaxe? Does that have anything to do with myself? Or does it have anything to do with cucumbers? You don't, you don't mind for cucumbers. It doesn't make any sense. Get oversized novelty vegetable slices and brandish those about to threaten people with one. Or a knife. Honestly, you could get a nice kitchen knife. Just a big kitchen knife. That would scare people. And it's easy to get. And it would also kind of co-align a little bit better with the idea of these, these cucumber people. Anyway, shoddy picketing, first of all. I'm going to put that out there. And I just, I just feel like uh, time and time and time again, I say just one thing. I step one toe out of line and the entire town's at my throat, you know. And I don't understand it. I have given so much to the town. I have given so much to the entire world of Eorath. And yet here we are. That's all right. It's a great part of the story tonight. You are all here, all six or seven of you. No, it's six. Sorry. Got a spot on my glasses. You know, so all six of you are here to, to hear one of the most important parts of the story. That's great. That's great. That's great. I don't feel like anyone out there deserves this story we're telling tonight. And so I, I would say keep it in here. And they'll all come in next time. And they'll be like, oh, Uncle, that's all over with. Boy, it's great to be back in your good graces, Jasper. And we'll all look at them and we'll be like, ha, you think we're going to tell you what happened last time? Get ready to be confused, buddy. Because that's, that's a secret for the real true blue crew. You know, we'll call ourselves that. We'll all get blue t-shirts. It'll be wonderful. Uh, I'm sorry. I understand that I come off combative at times on stage. And I actually, I've got a self-help book um, that I've been writing to try to uh, fix that in myself. So, um, you know, I don't mean this as an attack on any of you. Obviously, I don't blame you. But... I mean, to, to a certain extent, I, I do kind of blame all of you, because, I mean, why, why are you not more people, <laughs> is, is the thing I'm wondering. And, I mean, don't look at me like that. There are spells, Jeremy. There are spells for this, right? I mean, each and every one of you could, could, could perform a spell or have a, a, a spell performed on you to, 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 to create a double, right? And then you create doubles of the doubles, and before you know it, I mean, it grows exponentially. We could have a full crowd here in just a handful of iterations. And yes, of course, creating copies of copies of copies creates multiplicity effect, and then, you know, things go kind of haywire. Um, but I would feel better. <laughs> I mean, and don't I deserve my moment in the sun, you know? Anyway, you know, just something for everyone, I guess, in the room to think about going forward. 
Well, anyway, last time the uh, crew was in a pocket dimension and they were trying to figure out how to steal all the relics of the world. You know, nothing big or anything like that. You know, it's, it's kind of a, a side quest more than anything. You know, just the only thing that they've been working on for years at this point. Well, anyway, you know, as a testament to my great storytelling, I, I left out the part where they, they basically spent two days coming up with this plan. You know, I hit the highlights, you know, but then they, they went out and they, they spent another two days deconstructing this plan, reconstructing it, and eventually it looked basically like what we were describing, you know, with one minor tweak. Then Mort decided eventually that it would be okay if he had accompanied uh, Ezra you know, he being the number two to the Paragon, it made sense that he would go with Ezra to return this relic. You know, so one minor tweak. You know, meanwhile, all of the, the rest of the crew, you know, with the exception of myself and Moon Kevin, who had a very important distraction to be done with Honor's Law, a relic that he was carrying, but I was obviously there as well. So the rest of the crew was held in a pocket dimension, held in the hand uh, that was uh, enclosed in Greed's touch. Yet another relic. Boy, we got our relics left and right at this point. And Mort was going to hold on to that pocket dimension. Uh, the tricky part is, is that you have to find an enclosed space that's small enough that it would be able to be expanded back out inside the vault, whatever the vault may look like but large enough that it would fit the rest of the crew and uh, additional space for, for additional relics. Um, there, there wasn't a lot uh, that fit that bill, but there actually was an outhouse right next to the cabin where everyone was. So, so imagine Lola and Cami, both relatively small, but then also Clash Tiger and Agarion all jammed into an outhouse with all of the relics. I mean, it really does sound comedic, but honestly, they were in incredible peril. And as Ezra and Mort would find out, walking in amongst council mages with a lie in your heart and trickery on your mind can be equally dangerous. Okay, so Mort, when you put these gloves on, it feels like you have four arms now. <gasps> You, it feels like you have two arms on your left, two arms on your right, and they just feel like they're occupying the same space. Like Goro. I mean, like Goro if his arms were inside each other. Like the arms on the left are inside one another, the arms on the right are inside each Got other. like spectral arms inside my arms. Yeah, and if you as you start to kind of like try to move them around, you feel like one set of arms is visible, one set of arms is tangible. I should be very explicit with that. So I can see one set of arms but feel the other yes so one set of arms is a set of arms that like you can actually manipulate things with and there are a visible pair of arms that just are intangible the the gloves have this ability to continually mask the actual presence of your hands at any given time ah. so it will always appear uh, like the 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 visible arms but your actual hands can be, like, anywhere else. So I can look like I've got my hands in my pockets, whereas I'm really pickpocketing someone behind me. Yes. Or you could look like you're just standing there very normally, nonchalantly, with your arms down to your side when you have, like, a pocket dimension wrapped up in a glove. Ah, that's, that's handy. I got one hand in my pocket and <laughs> the other one's holding a pocket dimension. <laughs> <laughs> I say... Ezra, Ezra, watch this. And I have my hands down by my sides and I flick his ear. <laughs> what's, what's wrong? Oh, so, something wrong, buddy. <laughs> I think, I think the boat is hainted. I, I think you might be right. I mean, if Lola was here, she could probably see these ghosty things that are flicking your ear. Why do they keep doing that? I must have angered, and he's like batting it like a, like a <laughs> creature would try. I must have angered one of the gods. And now we're being hainted. We're being hainted by an evil ghost, a spirit. Well, let's ask Ilstrek. He'll know. Wait, where is Ilstrek? I'm, I'm just right behind you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I've been standing here the entire time. I don't understand why this is a... I grab him by the shoulders. I'm like, I think we're hainted. Do we know any spells? Um, yes, I, I mean, I know several spells. Um... If is are we are we worried about some? You you realize that he's doing this with the other, the other hands. You you 
Do you have? Oh, hold on one second. And he reaches into a pocket and he pulls out a salve in a jar and he rubs it on your face around your eyes. And immediately you are able to see these kind of this outline of these uh, ghostly arms that Mort Mort has. And you see that Mort was just about to give you a wet willy. (laughs) Mort, you dirty dog. You scalawag. Sorry, just just a bit of fun while we are on on our way. How how long until we get there? Struck. Well, I mean, it's just around the corner, really. Uh, it would be weird for you to be holding uh, <laughs> a, an entire pocket dimension in a hand for, you know, 45 days or anything like that. You I know, suppose it'll, so. it'll just be a quick little trip, you know, almost there. Are they all right in there? Did we, do we need to leave them any uh, bread and or water? What? Are they having fun? What would happen if I shook my hand? Would that be an earthquake? Yeah. What if he shakes them up? I don't think it really works like that. I think they are physically in a pocket dimension, and the pocket dimension doesn't physically exist inside your hand in our reality. So, like, your hand could get smashed and they would be fine. They just would never return. Okay. So, you could shake the hand and it really wouldn't do anything to them. Shake your hand. I, I shake it. <laughs> and then they're freaking out. Uh, you, hear, you, hear, you hear screaming from inside your hand. <laughs> it, it catches fire. And blood starts oozing out between the fingers. Oh, oh dear. Squeeze too hard. No, none of that actually happens, unfortunately. So what, what's the plan once once we get, get down there? I assume we go and see Crispus. Who's doing the talking? I expect they're going to give me, the Paragon, Cardi Blanche for being a Paragon and returning back with the tools. Oh, almost absolutely that is not what's going to happen. Um, in all likelihood, once we arrive, we will be approached. Um, I am certain Crispus will be there. We will likely be approached by uh, uh, guards that wear certain armor that protects them from the effects of uh, the relics themselves so that they can handle them and take them down to the vault. Would Crispus be wearing anything that would protect him from relics? Because that, our plan kind of hinges right, on I him know, the being plan affected does, by relics. Is very much is yes, no, of course. Um, so the trick will be to get Crispus to allow us to carry it into the outer chamber. I think that's possible with a, with a good enough uh, little schmoozing. Maybe uh, we should be able to at least get there before we actually have to do any actual charming. Because it would be dangerous, I think, to use your 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 attack uh, too early. Yes, I, I'm sure we can convince him that we should accompany him part way at least, because you know, it's a very prized possession, and we want to make sure nothing happens along the way. Right. Now, I mean, bear in mind these the the guards do have this magical armor that will protect them to certain effects of the of the relics. But I mean, if you try to chop one of them in half, they're probably going to fall in half. So once it gets to the point where we are in a place where they are isolated and we have control of Crispus, then it's it's moot. Their their presence within uh, anti magic armor is not really all that important to us anymore. I assume the armors just so they when they grab grab a relic and they're able to easily relinquish it. Right. It is possible they will not be entirely covered. I mean, they're expecting to take an axe from you and take it down into the vault. So it's possible they will only have uh, the armor uh, on their chest and arms, perhaps their legs, probably not helmets. So um, there is a little bit of manipulation uh, ability and there's some play here or there. We don't need to kill them, if that's what you were suggesting. Oh, no. No, I'm certainly not. Certainly don't need to kill them. You, it's, it's entirely possible you will be required to kill them just because of the way well, the situation unfolds. I, I suppose it depends how, how well old uh, Jasper and Moon Kevin do with their destruction. Starting a fire is easy, man. <laughs> They're going to do fine. But the, the fire's your, your part on, on the way out, remember? Oh, yeah. They're going to be smashing things. That's right. Starting a fire is easy. Don't worry. I'll be able to do it. And I mean, here's the here's the good thing. We we are at least going to be able to communicate and coordinate, and we've got it all worked out. I I can send a message immediately when it's the time. You guys give me the signal when you feel the the distraction needs to pop off. I send them the message. I send the message to the moon, Kevin, and then we can uh, have the distraction immediately. So you just guys, I guess we have to work out internally, and this is the fun part, really. Um, the what's the code word? Yeah, what's the signal? Ca-ca! Best part of any heist is the signal. Okay, but what if there are birds in the room? Then I could get confused. That's a good point. Oh, what if I say the phrase, what what bear is in your mind? 
and he's thinking grizzly, but we know that it's probably like polar or, or even red panda. It was the bear in my mind. I'll tell him to bear in mind, and you'll know this time. It's time to. It's time to do. Time to do the bears. Okay. Well, I mean, compared to the the bird sound, I think that's much on. Uh, I can listen for that. Absolutely. Any any basically any flat reference to Ursas in general, I will take as the signal. Any bear references will be considered the signal. Sick. So we got the signal worked out. I'll start the the show off with some very cool and sensual, but respectful axe tricks. And I'll say, then I'll say, bear in mind, it can get bigger. And that's when you know that it's time to do hell. And I'll make it, I'll make it get big. I'll turn it from a little hatchet to a battle axe. And they'll be like, whoa. And that's, okay, so then that's the signal when the axe gets larger. Or is it the bear thing in general? Both. Half a, okay. half, a, half a six of one and a dozen twelve of other. Well, I mean, what's the situation? Because I, I don't want to get into there and then you say a bear thing, but then don't enlarge the axe. And then we're both sitting there with our hands on our dicks because what if you, have you tried to expand the axe yet? Maybe it's a difficult thing for you to do. The dicks have nothing to do with it. Yeah, look, I can expand it and I, I do a, like a shock. Like extending a telescopic toy lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah. And it looked badass. You'd kind of take a big chunk out of the floorboards, but it, it was worth it. <laughs> and then I go, see? Okay, yeah, no, I, I, <clears throat> I got it. Yeah. And then I shunk it back up. That's solid. I, that, 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 that's, that's a can't-miss type of, uh, of a signal right there, honestly. And then at the same time, I'll say, well, I mean, a little bit, little bit much at that point. I think I'll have got the hint by the, the, the bear thing and then the expanding axe, I think, between the two of them. We're really, we're, we're there at that point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right. Well, you guys are, uh, you're approaching the shackled city as you speak. Are you uh, guys out on the bow of the ship, overlooking, ready to land? Yeah, we're, we're titanic on the front. At the prow with the hatchet, like, resting on my shoulder. I'm standing there with my arms outstretched, with Ezra encircling his arms around me. <laughs> All right, well, it's a little weird because there's a lot of people there and they look like they're expecting you. I give them a, the thumbs up of an old man that's running for president who's not quite <laughs> sure how thumbs up works, where he's kind of like really shaking his fist back and forth to do a thumbs up. You can tell even from as high up as you are that they are giving you just the politest of applause. Oh, cool. These are my people! Uh, I, I, I don't think they're your people. Your people are the people of Vrim. Well... It's a, it's a colloquialism. Yeah, you didn't think I knew that one. Word of the day calendar, motherfucker! <laughs> you guys land and you, you slither on off the boat. And of note, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of people here uh, waiting to welcome you back. You do not see Crispus Chubbottom. Hmm. But if this bothers Ilshrek in any way, shape, or form, you can't tell. Because he is immediately off and like smoozing with people that apparently he knows. And he's just like, oh, you wouldn't believe... Uh, they did an amazing job, you know. They just took that thing right away. Um, you know, it didn't even have to really to put up too much of a fight. You know, it, when you have a paragon that knows how to use diplomacy, it's amazing what you can get done. I'm, I'm behind them and be like, I'm, I'm, the, the, I'm diplomat. I'm diplomat. Um, slapping hands and kissing babies. Yeah, <laughs> kissing, kissing moms and slapping babies. <laughs> So Ilstrak kind of ushers you over. He's like, he's like Ezra, Ezra. So uh, this is Elmon Eglin, and he is um, kind of like the the second in command around here. You know, Crisp is his right hand man, pretty big wig guy. And as he's introducing him, uh, I mean, he's kind of your stereotypical older elf. He's all about the long hair and the braids, but he's he's wearing just like these really ornate silver robes. Dude looks like he could do a little bit of magic, and he looks just a very stern-faced older elf gentleman. Does he have a pointy hat? At this moment, he does. Elmond, Nayamo Ezra, mucho gusto, as they say in Elfland. Well, nobody says that, but okay. Um, well, welcome back. We brought everybody out for the big return, so it's uh, it's wonderful that you have uh, you've been successful. In what many thought was a, was a, was going to be a very difficult mission, uh, but very impressive. 
We know Merka quite well. It, it wasn't too much of a, a task to convince her to, to do the right thing. No, and, you know, after this um, whole trouble is all over, I'm sure we can return the relic to its rightful place in, in her hairy hands. Well, Elmond, may I call you Elmond? Absolutely. Uh, a hero of your renown uh, does not need to ask such favors. Oh, Elmond, you flatter me. Let me tell you something. I couldn't have done it without the support of my great friend, Mort, here. He is a true stalwart and, and Mort. Mart, Mart, what's the, what do they call it in our in a buttress in times of need and also trouble and encouragement? Have you met my uh uh Mart? What do they call that thing when when it's a person who your patron, my patron, Illstrek? You're you're too kind, uh, sir Evergod. But I mean, we couldn't have done any of it with, without you. And of course, I want to thank you and Mister Chumpbottom. Uh, His Excellency, I would love to thank him in person for entrusting me on the mission to retrieve this axe. And I, and I raise the tiny <laughs> hatchet up in the air. He does. His like his face doesn't even move. He's just like so stoic. But his eyes follow the axe up in the air, and he says, uh, "We would we would love for you to be able to to have some time to to speak with." With Lord Crispus, but uh, he has not returned yet. Uh, he unfortunately has apparently not been as successful in his mission to retrieve uh, the relic from Bestus Rathtate, the paragon from Dinderast. Apparently, he's had some trouble locating him. Which relic did he have? Uh, it was called Death's Embrace. It was uh, the the relic of the Worm God. Oh, that's the the chest piece. Yes, absolutely. Oh, interesting. Mm. Perhaps we can go out and, and search for him after we've concluded business here. All right, so you're going to have to roll because you are you guys are trying to conceal the fact that you done killed that dude. So you have to roll me some some stuffs with this, some things and stuffs. Deceive, I guess. That would be the one. Oh, damn. I got six. Oh, wow. good, because I wasn't talking, but I rolled as if I would have answered. I got a minus four. <laughs> So, so yeah, Elman is just is just kind of nodding around along. He's like that that would that would be great. Um, they've apparently had some some degree of trouble locating him. Do you know which area he he went to? Uh, word from the from the palace when they arrived was that he was patrolling somewhere near Kushkal. So, mm-hmm. um, I believe that Crispus was on his way there as well, but no word yet as to if or if he's found anything there. That's a good place for us to start, anyway. We will definitely look into it. Well, shall we take this axe? And I'll take it back out of the belt again. Down into the the dungeon? Nope. The catacombs? Oh, nope. The vault! Uh, yeah, I mean, we can, we can absolutely take that down. And he kind of waves over and a couple of guards walk up. Uh, one is, uh, I mean, neither one of them is is wearing a helmet, kind of like Ilstrek had suggested. Uh, but they are wearing this pure white and almost like, it's like kind of bulbous armor, where it's like there's no sharp corners. It's all very rounded, and it is kind of totally encasing them uh, from the neck down. Um, and one is a, is a fairly large orc, and the other is probably the, well, you've only seen one other Chirabi because it was Beckley, and Beckley was kind of a smaller guy. This this Trabi is larger than the orc. It is just a huge jackal-looking creature, almost the size of Bestus Rathtate, who as a Goliath was probably one of the biggest people you guys had seen. Are they wanting to take the axe from Isra? Uh, so they just they just approached over. Elmon had just kind of summoned them over. Presumably he's going to instruct them to take the axe. And- Master Orc, Master Charabi. My name is Radical Evergod, and this is my friend and companion, Mort. The Mort! I think that's the first time you've got your name correct, Ezra. <laughs> uh, yes, my name is Gunnug. This is the orc talking to you. And, uh, you know, hail and well met. Uh, this is my, uh, my, my partner in, uh, in, well, not in crime, but in good things. We're partner in good things. <laughs> uh, his name is Ripley. He just kind of grunts and nods. Mm. All right. Lovely to meet you. Shall we go to the vault? 
Well, I mean, we usually are supposed to take it from here, so I mean, we can just. It's it's very important. I mean, you you did almost slip up and say crime. I'm not sure if we want to entirely <laughs> trust you. Oh, that that was a mistake. Uh, there was a, there was just something of a of a of a joke. I didn't mean anything by. I mean, obviously, I didn't mean. Yes, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that, that you would, but we would feel better if we could at least accompany you, you part the way to just ensure that it does reach the, the vault safely. Um, I mean, there's nefarious people around, you know, it's a very powerful thing. I'm sure a lot of people would like to get their hands on it. And uh, what? who better to protect it on the way than the Paragon of Vrim? All right, you're going to have to persuade these boys. Uh, rapport? That's rapport. Ooh, I have a good thing in that. Oh, I rolled all four pluses. <laughs> oh, I got one. Uh, okay, so I just I'm just raising my eyebrows at him, like, huh? I'm the Paragon. Yeah, well, okay, so you totally you t- like Ezra totally beat both of them and Elmon uh, on rapport. So, but you're gonna have to pitch me on like what's he saying to make this like to seal this deal here. You can't just stand behind more and raise your eyebrows, and that's what convinces them. I, I, I just <laughs> rouse them, give them a reason to allow you to come with. Lord Elmond, Grunuk, Ripley, believe it or not. <laughs> Ripley just starts <laughs> laughing. <laughs> oh, that is good one. <laughs> My friend and companion Mordir and I traveled the lands of Yorith in order to seek out our our nemesis nay friend, Mirka the, Mirka the Yeti. We met with her at a great summit, and then there was a test of strength, a feat of strength. There was arm wrestling and a slapping contest, open hand, open palm, slap, until ultimately we prevailed. And then we traveled back many leagues to bring this axe to its rightful place in the vault. I think we should be rewarded for our efforts to be the ones who get to escort, with pomp and circumstance, at least to the outer chamber before we hand over such a wonderful piece of history and power to the likes of you who are entrusted in its care and who, insofar as we know, have never done a crime. Even though, as Mort points out, you hinted at crime. We're asking you to afford us the same trust that we are in turn affording you, even though, once again, you might have done crimes. <laughs> and Ilstrak throws his arms around your arm around your shoulder and leans in. He's like, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're 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 all right with it. They're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You you, you can come with. It's actually kind of a boring trip down, but uh, at least to the outer chamber of the vault, and then." We'll have to, you know, take it from there. Yes, of course. I mean, we wouldn't dream of entering the actual vault without um, express permission from uh, Lord Chopbottom. Okay, well, let's uh, let's let's head on down the stairs, I suppose, and uh, just follow us. And so they they head on off through the crowd. Uh, Elmon is is not coming with. He does. He's kind of standing there, a little bit like confused as to whether you guys want him to come with. If there's going to be a pomp and circumstance situation, he feels for the formality's sake that maybe he should come. I wave him on. All right, if you give him the wave, he's going to come. Because I feel like he's got the key to the vault. I mean, they were going to take these this thing down to the vault, just the two of them. Oh. Right? So, like, presumably they can get into the vault somehow. Anyway, you guys are ushered forth through the through the main area you guys go down the stairs into kind of a upper chamber the entirety of this this building is is kind of built in the ground there is a big tower off to one side but the majority of the complex is in the earth and underground and so you guys go down several floors before you get down um, to an area that is uh, it's it's much more difficult to get through there are checkpoints there you guys have to go through a checkpoint with a, with a relic, which is kind of weird because the people that are working the checkpoint feel it's kind of strange. But there are these massive stone figures uh, on the walls that have eyes that light up as you pass through them. And people that are standing beside them that are like, you know, pressing little keypad on the side of the thing to kind of like shut it down while you go through and turn it back on once you come back. It's really kind of an intricate process that as you guys kind of head down into the outer vault area. And uh, and Gunnog turns to you, he's like, 
it's kind of a strange they have all this stuff going on down here. Um, it, we usually don't have to come through here. The, this is the first time that I think I have worn this armor and not for training purposes ever. So it's a very exciting day for us. Oh, do, you, do you not? I suppose you wouldn't normally get to return relics to the vault, would you? It doesn't. It does not happen very often. I mean, someone, a couple of people in the in the guard got to go down and and pull one out uh, for. Uh, for Dinderast, and then someone pulled one out, well, this one out from Burkheim, but I, it was not our day. Uh, we were not on shift that day. So we have actually never been to the vault before. It's very exciting. But you don't want to hear about that bullshit, obviously. <laughs> anyway, and you guys keep on heading down until you get to a place that is quite obviously vault adjacent. It is a very large semicircular room. And in the middle of this room, on a curved wall, there are two curved stone doors that look like they sit completely flush with no, with nothing but just like a, the slightest of seam between them. And there is another one of those, like, it, to call it a keypad in, implies some level of mechanics that we think of, like a, a, like with metals and plastics, but it is like a stone keypad next to this like semicircular wall. And is it just the two guards and the mage guy with us. Yep, it's those three, you guys and Ilstrak. So this is the the vault, is it? It looks looks like fine worksmanship on the on these doors here. Uh yes, apparently it was uh, an an a, a dwarf from Renfell. I believe his name was uh what was it? What was the one that oh, was um, the... Oh, Gef, Gefjoldblum. That's the one, yes. Gef, Gefjoldblum. That is the one who had done all of this work. Um, an amazing stonemason. And, um, you know, don't you know what they say about him? You think it's impossible for him to do some of the works that he does. But yet, Yef finds a way. <laughs> get on, get on, Gef. I, I, I believe he was actually buried in, in the walls or something, wasn't he? I I had heard that. I had also heard that that was kind of bullshit. So I don't know which to believe, you know. That's how <laughs> it is with stories like that. <clears throat> Just the part where we hand it over? There's like a kind of trumpet or do, I need, to, do you need to kneel or? I mean, uh, I, I I think that's the, what's supposed to happen is that you would know you... You you said there was some pomp and circumstance like things. I didn't know if you had oh, yet another sure. rousing speech or. Oh no! But well, we definitely do need to kind of get it down there soon. It's a. Uh, I'll do best a. To not to be screwing around and. I'll do a cool demonstration for you first. That can be the pomp, uh, and this is the circumstance in which the pomp is happening. And I'll take it out and be like, "Have you ever seen an axe do this?" And I'm doing like cool fucking. I'm like juggling it, and I'm doing. Then I slow down. Ezra slows down and he's doing like Tai Chi, but with the axe, <laughs> real, real slow. And then he he kind of looks at Illstrak. He goes, "I need some room, please." And everyone, <laughs> he looks at Illstrak and he goes, "Now bear in mind, it gets bigger." And he makes it huge. And he's like, "Ah!" He's twirling around. Now he is like Star Wars kid. And he's fucking twirling, <laughs> twirling his axe around. He's doing real cool shit with it. And then he takes a broad swing and cuts both their heads off. Oh, jeez. Uh, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't, do, that. I don't do that one. Uh, all right. Uh, he shrinks it back down. Uh, Mort, roll a notice. Actually, no, roll an empathy. That's better for this. Is that a skill that we have in Fate? I, I think it is just rapport. Rapport? It's just rapport. Um, in that case, two. Okay, uh, so without a word spoken, you like you look over at Ilstrek while uh, Ezra is doing these sick axe tricks, and for a second, he like you could tell that like he catches it and he starts to send this message in his mind. This is strange for a for a dark elf, but he like he just goes white. You could tell like something is wrong, and then he like kind of shakes his head and like tries something again, and then he just looks like his eyes go wide. I uh, sort of sidle up to him and say, Ilstrek is. Is everything okay? Quietly, so they don't hear us. No, not everything is very much not uh, um, okay. Um, it's not probably a great time to talk about it, but it would probably be best if you just hand it over and try again another day, perhaps. Is something wrong with uh, Jasper and Moon Kevin? Something is wrong, that's for sure. Jasper is... I can't get him. And I just realized that I have never met this moon, Kevin. 
Oh, you can't send messages to people you haven't met. That's true. <laughs> I can't send messages to people I haven't met. I have stood in the room and talked to this person you call Moon Kevin. But when I try to send a message to a person of that name with that face, he does not exist. Oh. And is that the, the same with Jasper? No, Jasper is real, but Jasper is not responding. Jesus Christ. So, Moon Kevin, is, is this how it feels if you try and contact someone that's dead? Or is this person just not real? All of a sudden, the entire, uh, the entire complex, like, booms with this huge uh, shattering hit. And the guards look at each other. And Elmon looks completely calm, and he says, well, it looks like we have a distraction to deal with. And he <laughs> takes the guards and walks them out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and leaving you guys completely alone. Uh, okay. Well, that was, that went exactly as planned! All right! <laughs> and uh, I'm high-fiving, because I didn't, I didn't hear the conversation. <laughs> um, so, Moon Kevin's not real, or... Is I don't I don't understand. Maybe I mean, somebody pretending to be Moon Kevin. Wait, uh, what's the happening? doors in the center of this room, the big stone doors, just like slide open, and inside you see a platform. Uh, and there is there there's no vault. You see a platform, and then you see another antechamber on the other side that looks exactly like this. Another like semicircular room with another set of stone doors that are on a semicircular wall and there's just a platform in the middle of this opening that has like opened up now if i remember agarian did say would go down some kind of elevator i don't i don't know about this like it feels like something feels wrong it's very wrong elmon wouldn't have just left us here here's the issue ezra that i tried to send a message to jasper and to moon kevin I don't know Moon Kevin. I have met him. I have talked to him. The one that was brought on our boat, he is not, that is not Moon Kevin. And, and, and Jasper is not responsive. So I don't know if something has happened to him. Then who's making the distraction? <gasps> so Jasper's dead and Moon Kevin's been, someone's wearing Moon Kevin's skin is their skin. Right. Well, I mean, at least we know Jasper's not dead because that would be, uh, that would break canon. But <laughs> the rest of it, I don't, I don't get. But I mean, at this point, we have not a lot of options. We can go back up the stairs where obviously they are expecting that they suspect us of something at this point. I'm shaking if, my head. I mean, we can go to the vault, but I don't know More how... walks into the middle of the vault room. Uh, Ilstrek follows you. Does anything happen? Does the door slam shut behind us, or...? Did Ezra go in as well? I guess, yeah, because can't, we can't split the party into thirds. I was going to stand <laughs> guard, but then there wouldn't really be much for me to do. Uh, yeah, so uh, as you guys get in there, the doors, they don't slam, they slowly close around you. And then... Oh. As... They're closing. Mm -hmm. Can I say, Ezra, quickly put the axe in between the doors and make it really big. Brace them open or something. Okay, I'll do that. It's <laughs> actually a good plan. So, okay, so you do that. You jam the you jam the, the axe in there. It, it gets stuck. The doors don't close. The doors on the other side don't close. And you just sit there for a while with the doors propped open. Oh, Okay, now make it smaller and get it back again. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I, I grab it and it shrinks and I pull my pull it back out and put it in my in my carpenter jean belt loop. I thought it was a very good idea, actually. <laughs> you know, but and uh, the doors shut and then you're on this. Uh, it is a completely spherical room that you're in when you're in here, and it just starts dropping down. I guess the floor is is not spherical because then you guys would all be standing on the same point, and that would be kind of be a little bit weird. But I guess it's kind of like a mostly spherical dome around you guys as you you could feel it going downwards. The ground below you is clear. Uh, and you can see that this is a chamber that drops real far into the earth. Or I guess it's not earth, it's Eorth, but you know, you know what I mean. Goes very far underground. Uh, and once you guys get down to a certain point, you start seeing a significant amount of light below you. There's a, a chamber where 
feels like you're going to kind of drop into this and there are points of light kind of all around it, kind of surrounding all around. And as you get down there, light floods into this chamber and you see um, stations kind of all set around you outside of this glass elevator that you're in as the glass is kind of separated from the stone doors that uh, were attached to it above. And all around are these places where the relics reside in the vault. Very cool. And there is a section of glass door that slides open to one of the areas where the axe is presumably supposed to rest. And then there are all of the other areas around you. The glass around you is kind of frosted, so you can only see the the light shining through of these locations of where these other relics would be. Mm. But you can't see the relics themselves from inside the elevator. Do we see sort of rough shapes silhouettes on the glass of a couple of them or no just be i mean the amount of light that is pouring in from from this it's that's about all you can see you can see these little sections and i mean you could gauge based upon size that maybe this one would hold something smaller this one would hold something larger but all you really see are is just this light flooding in and there's no shadows cast or anything like that i'm very confused as to why elmond would just leave us to come into the vault alone. I feel like this is some kind of trap. Well, I mean, I felt like that up above, but then you guys both got in and said, like, all right, well, let's go downstairs. You didn't want to go back up the stairs. Well, no, I mean, like you said, they were probably waiting for us upstairs. I mean, we usually turn out all right. Let's, uh, let's get, let's get Cammy and Lola out of that sack and fuck some shit up. As you guys are are fiddling with uh, with with that process, Ilstrek is just kind of wandering around. He's like over by the area where uh, the the window is like dropped down, and he's like, "Oh, you can like there's things." And he like pushes on a thing next to the wall, and the the whole capsule that you're in starts to rotate and spins around until you can until it's like facing this next section where another relic is supposed to go, um, but there's nothing there. I keep keep spinning it, really. Let's see if any of the relics are, are here. In, in theory, there should be two, right? Or three? Three. And as you make a full 360-degree rotation around with this thing, you realize that there are no relics in this vault. <gasps> oh, hang on. Wasn't the mask one of the relics? You know, as a storyteller, occasionally there are times like this where you get to, to drop a, a, a story beat on, on an audience and you look out and, and it's just pure silence. You know, you can, you can hear people's breathing out there in the audience. You can hear their hearts beating as they, as they stare in slack-jawed, wide-eyed, uh, just astonishment at this twist. At this, at this revelation, uh, when they find out that everything that they had trusted and believed to be true in a story had been a, had been a lie, that they had been tricked, you know, for, for how long now? Uh, and they start to do the mental math and start to figure all of that out. It's, it's a wonderful moment for a storyteller. Uh, I mean, I have to admit that the, the, the reveal here is a little bit lackluster. I mean, to me, from my, my experience of it, because there's six of you out there. You know, to get to, to get a quiet to, to to kind of drift over a room of six people, it's not not nearly as impressive. So, um, you know, again, another another thing to think about. You know, as you're all doing some soul searching about what you could have done to improve tonight, this uh, might be part of what you what you should think about. But Mort was astute in his noticing that uh, the relics that were supposed to be there, one of them was Deception's mask. And as we know far too well, Deception's mask allowed the wearer to, to perfectly imitate any person that they had ever seen. Uh, the voice, the face, everything. So armed with that knowledge, the logical leap is not too far to realize that who we thought had been Moon Kevin was perhaps not actually Moon Kevin. And it was with that knowledge that Ezra and Mort faced the reality of their situation. They had walked right into a trap. But all of that will have to wait till next time. Um, make sure before you leave today, do tip your Minotaur bartenders. Um, maybe tip them a little bit extra, because as you know, the crowd is pretty light here tonight. I will be um, exiting myself by a, uh, by a... I probably shouldn't tell you about this, but there's a, there's a secret back exit. And not the regular back exit everyone knows about, but there's a subterranean back exit that I will be exiting the, the premises with tonight. You know, the, you may not know this, but the Gilded Ram, you know, back in the day, used to be a little bit of a... 
the kind of the you know the underground you know you don't talk about it type of place um, so you know with that there's a, a handful of secret ways in and out of this place and not all of them known to me but I have walked around this place enough times to know about this one so I'm gonna be uh, heading out through that uh, post haste uh, please don't try to follow me um, there are I mean, just all types of traps down there. You probably die in five minutes, you know. So don't do it. Don't try to follow me. And I will see you next time here at the Gilderam Groghouse NT Room. Farewell. Oh, Barbara Ann. Way to a dance, like I'm a romance. How do you do, Patrick? Oh, I, I do-de-do there, Palio boy. Man, I don't know how old Ezra and, and Mort and Mort and Ezra are going to get out of the sticky wicket they find themselves in this time, huh? It certainly is a strange situation we found ourselves in, and uh, somebody's going to have to pay pay the iron price mm. mm-hmm all I know is they've been we've been we've been hoodwinked winked good we there's been tomfoolery fooled trickery all the all those bad deceiving things somebody's been a tricksy hobbit whoever's done it isn't gonna get their crumble scrunch ham on giftsmas they're gonna get a no pickled daikon yeah which as we know is the egg of the the daikon Condyle bird. Mm-hmm. A very stinky bird. Yeah. A very stinky bird with very stinky eggs, and the pickling process does not enhance its flavor one bit. No. So don't be a bad kid or crumbless or egg ya. You know who's not bad kids? Who's not bad kids? <laughs> We're not, at least according to Odin of the North. Odin of the North said, very awesome podcast. I love this podcast. Awesome cast of characters. A great storyline. Five stars for me. Two big thumbs up. How big are those thumbs though, is the question. See, that's what people say that a lot of times. I'm glad you brought this up, uh, John, because I had that same question. Is he doing, is he saying like, are his thumbs becoming engorged and aroused? And that's why they're getting, or are they, does he have abnormally large thumbs? Or the thumbs up is the same, but he's like, really giving an aggressive like he's putting his arms over his head like an aggressive thumbs up in which case the thumbs themselves are not any bigger is he wearing like those foam hands oh but like the weird number ones but it's a thumbs up one yeah like you wear at your american football games (laughs) never seen anybody with a giant thumbs up foam finger but man i kind of want one they Uh, must make them so I like to imagine Odin of the North is doing that. He's wearing his giant foam thumbs up. Maybe he's doing all of those things. Maybe inside the foam fingers he's got giant engorged thumbs. He's given the podcast a thumbs up. He, he just loves Mort, the great skeletal ranger, the companion. He loves him so much. He loves Cammy, cute little Cammy, bebopping around with her book. He loves Mola, Lola and her goth face. And he likes Ezra. He likes us all. He loves Jasper. He's just as loving everybody. I think that's great. You know what else he'll love? Apart from having engorged thumbs? Apart from that. Which, you know, as long as it's less than four hours, he's fine. Anything over that, he needs to go to the doctor. Would he love giving to charity? I bet he would love it. I bet he would love the charity stream, John. Why don't you tell him all about it for Odin the North and everyone else? I bet a lot of our listeners would love giving to charity. Which you can do, or well, you can do it anytime you want, I suppose. But in particular, on April 27th, we are doing the annual Geekly Inc. 24-hour charity stream, where we're raising money for the Trevor Project, who are the leading charity for suicide prevention and support for the LGBTQ youth community. Uh, which is a very important course, um, very close to the hearts of all of our listeners and the Geek Hint community. We will be having lots of games during the day. D&D Podcast will be joining us at some point. We will have some games with the Cthulhu Friends team. Um, We also have a a whole three-hour slot with the Neo Scum Podcast. (gasps) 
Oh, I like those guys. And obviously, Brute Force will be there. We'll have the guys from Inks and Issues as well. Ooh, comic books. Probably the Transformation Sequence podcast, guys. Anime. Just a bit of everything, really. Board games, RPGs, and lots of prizes to give away, including prizes from our great friends over at Die Hard Dice. The best dice in the biz. Shake it, shake it up, sh- shake it up, dice now. That's a free, that's free. That's courtesy of me, Die Hard Dice. <laughs> you can use that anytime you want. Shake it up, shake it like some dice now. Die Hard Dice. Cow, cow, Feel free to use that. I'm sure they, they will. But seriously, I ordered a set of, a few sets of dice from Die Hard Dice recently, and um, a metal set, which is great, because uh, I'm playing in a D&D campaign with some local friends, and I wanted some kind of color schemed on a character I created, and they're beautiful, they're purple and gold, they're great. Uh, I got some clay golem sets, just a bunch of beautiful sets, so their plastic sets look great, uh, their metal sets are great. The carrying cases for the metal sets are fantastic. So they ship them out quick. They include a nice little note. Uh, it wasn't just for me. I know lots of people that order from Die Hard Dice, and they're always posting the pictures on Twitter. And every set you get is kind of personalized. They they write you a little note, and they're basically thanking you for purchasing from them. So, so head over to their website at dieharddice.com, most likely. And make sure to bring your dice to GeeklyCon in Columbus, where we're, we will all be there. John will be there. He's coming across the pond to visit the colonies. I'll be there. I'm going to take them back. Coming to take back the colonies. Not since 7076, brother. These colors don't run. It's going to be a great time. GeeklyCon's fun. Um, I'll be there. John will be there. The whole Brute Force cast will be there. So head over to GeeklyCon.com to grab your tickets. And you can follow them on Twitter also at GeekDecon. You can follow us at BruteForceCast. Mm-hmm. And you can follow... Uh, you can follow Ray at Mr. Unladylike. You can follow Adam at the Adam Bash. You can follow Carly at Animated Me with, with the E's as threes. threes. You can follow me at Nutza. And uh, you can follow me at Patrick underscore Rankin. And you can follow me to hell. <laughs> John, I've had about all the fun I can stand, so... Bye. Hey, I'm-